If you have enjoyed March's kids and food focus here on We Turned Out Okay, but you didn't have a chance to take notes and you really wish you had some of March's takeaways written down somewhere, I have a solution for you. Go to weturnedoutok.com slash food and family to download my free infographic on how to get your kids to eat. It includes the three key aspects of the food and family mindset discussed in this very episode today grab-and-go snack ideas that really worked for my family when the kids were little, and a printer-friendly version of my muffin recipe that helped my picky eater become, well, a little less picky. This food and family infographic will help you get started on the road to less worry and more harmony in your home. Find it at weturnedoutokay.com slash food and family, and have a great day! Come on, guys! We Turned Out Okay, the modern parent's guide to old school parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Welcome to episode 65, a Just You and Me episode in which we talk about getting our kids to eat today. That's what we're talking about. It's not always easy to get them to eat. During one part, no, during part one of how to get your kids to eat back on March 1st, I shared about basically learning how to make something that my picky eater would eat. That was episode 59, and you can find it by going to weturnedoutokay.com slash 059. It's not a prerequisite to today's show, but it's one that you might get a lot out of if you have picky eaters and you're trying to get them to eat something, at least something that isn't chicken nuggets or french fries, two things that picky eaters generally absolutely adore. Today, I want to get into the mindset of getting kids to eat. Believe it or not, I think there really is a mindset to this. I know it sounds a little strange. The title of this episode is How to Get Your Kids to Eat, Part 2 of 2, Mindset. And I think generally we don't really look at it that way. We might not think like, okay, I, I have to get into the right mindset. But I think we do. And I've come up with three key aspects of this mindset that you need when you're thinking about kids and food. So I'm going to list them for you today and talk about them. And that's how we will do this episode. So the first one, the first key aspect of the mindset you need when you're hoping to get your children to eat something is it's a little bit of a paradox. I want you to think about this. Try to make meal time not so much about the meal. So instead, it needs to be about like just the gathering together, the family, the friends, the fun aspects of sitting down together. Now, I think we all know, as especially as adults, it can take hours to make a decent meal. I mean, it doesn't have to, but sometimes it does. And you will sit down and you'll have this great whatever moment where you're like, we're all eating the same thing. This is so exciting. And then in like five minutes, it's done. And everybody's kind of you know, ready to head off and do their evening things or whatever, especially if it's dinner time. I feel like a lot of, you know, lunches are often eaten not together because people are at work or school or whatever. And breakfasts are oftentimes on the run, that kind of a thing. So I generally think about like dinner as the meal when, when 
that I'm really talking about when I talk about number one here, making mealtime not so much about the food. But what I mean by that is there's so much more to a meal than just the food. I mean, you could reheat pizza and sit down and have a meal together that really feels like a fun together time. And I can tell you, we've, we really, from the time that our first, who's now 15, was small, we really st- tried to make mealtime be a thing. Like, I think he was probably about nine months old when, when we pretty much watched our last Buffy the Vampire Slayer while eating in front of the television. And, and Max was just kind of hanging out there uh, between us on the couch. He wasn't looking at Buffy, though, and the goings on on the screen. He was looking at mom and dad. Uh, but we were eating. And, you know, I can remember sort of thinking around that time, like, you know, this isn't this isn't what we're going to keep doing, I think. And so we, we as he got a little bit older and then as Jay came along as well, we've really gotten into the habit of like making dinner time be like a real family event every night or at least every night that we can manage it. And we are now, so we, what that means is that we've really kind of set up some, I wouldn't call them rules, but guidelines. Like we try to make it so that everybody has a comfortable seat at the table. Um, for Jay, that used to mean eating up on his knees when he, when he finally rejected the high chair and he, you know, he wanted to be with us and, but he wanted to sit in a bigger chair. And so generally speaking, people sit, you know, on their bottoms. We don't stand up when we eat, but, but for sometimes for kids, we have to make like a, an exception. Uh, I read a book and you know what? I cannot remember the name of this book, but four or five years ago, I read this great book which did a definitely a kind of no sugar. They had this real hashtag no sugar attitude about every single night. The the authors were basically saying, you got to go to the table and you have to sit down and you have to eat together. And even if your child says, well, I'm not eating any of this, they still need to come to dinner. Make it a rule that, that that's what happens in your house. Like dinner time is about so much more than just the meal. And whenever we've, whenever it's come up in our home that like a kid has said, well, I'm not eating this. I don't, I don't want this. And we always say, okay, we'll come to the table anyway, because it's dinner time. They will inevitably, it might not be their favorite thing, but they'll have some part of dinner because it's hard to not get caught up in the enjoyable aspects of dinner time. So it's time when we will, we will tell jokes. We will talk about like, what are the best and worst parts of our day or week? We will share a story well you know something that something that we heard or saw that day um that's like those are big important well they're not big important things right they're very very small things i mean 15 minutes at dinner or a half hour at dinner is not a lot out of the day but it's over time this is why i said I think we're really reaping the benefits of this now. We kind of put these things in place, these routines in place. There's no screens at dinner. There's, there, you know, we all sit together, even if we're not eating. Um, we, we kind of, you know, it's a place, it's a time and place where you can bring something up and everybody can talk about it. And we've actually had some really deep conversations at the table. And it's not judgy. You know what I mean? Like where nobody is... There's no lecturing going on at the dinner table. We're all just sitting down enjoying food together. And now that is really coming in handy because it's kind of one of the only times that, that you can really check in with a 15-year-old. And and he looks forward to it. And if we have if we have people over, if we've got relatives in or if we're somewhere else, the kids really, 
not only do they handle themselves well, because they've they've watched us and learned from us, this is what it looks like to, you know, kind of be at a meal, but they, they enjoy it. They look forward to it. And uh, I think that's, there's really something to be said for that. So that's, that's my number one, make mealtime, not so much about the meal. And number two is, again, I keep sort of starting with negatives, make it not about the meal. Think, and the number two is think not so much about what your child has eaten at this meal, or even today. But think about what your child has eaten over the course of like a week. So I I came up with this one because I used to worry. Can you tell I'm a worry wart? I have a podcast that helps parents worry less and enjoy more. Well, that doesn't come. I don't come by that dishonestly. <laughs> I was I was a huge worry wart um, when the kids were small, and I would in the same day I would be like, Oh no, Jason's not eating enough. Oh no, now he's eating too much. I mean, like. I would be insane about it. And I don't, I feel like I read this in a parenting magazine maybe or something, but I really, I I really held on to it. It's not about, we can't worry about like, you're not going to be able to sort of make a little mealtime grid for your three-year-old and expect them to hit every every aspect of that grid. Did they have enough to drink? Did they have enough vegetables? Did they have enough fruits? Did they have enough protein? You know? Um, did they have too much? Do we need to limit things like the, you know, how many times did they have dessert today kind of a thing? Like you can't worry about it in those small quantities. It's, it's really, I mean, think I've learned to think more over the course of a day. What, what are they eating? And that helped me loosen up a little bit. Like I, I would think, oh, you know, uh, I better get Jay some kind of drink because, uh, you know, better get him some water for the table because he hasn't had enough to drink today, rather than when was the last time you had eight ounces of water, you know, and, and more to think about it over the course of a week, I really, really like this, because like, if you look back over a week, it gives you a lot more data to to kind of think about. So you can remember, you know, that like, maybe they're not eating anything today. But yesterday, they had spaghetti and meatballs and a salad on the side. And, and maybe the day before that, they had some other, you know, they had a really good breakfast or something like that. Kids really don't have the same kind of um, alarms, I guess that we do. Not alarms, alerts, you know what I mean? Um, They're hungry when they're hungry, and they're not hungry when they're not hungry. And if we let them figure out for themselves when they're full and when they're hungry, again, keep them coming to the table. I mean, like make it, make it be a great time of day. But if they can't finish what's on their plate, or if they want seconds or thirds or fourths of something, and that, try to look at those kinds of things, those big swings over the course of a week, because then you'll worry about it a lot less. And you, and the thing is that that will translate to a lot less worry for your child. So like if, if I stress out, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. You know, if if I have this sort of generalized, oh God, is he eating enough? <gasps> kind of feeling, my child is going to know that, that, that I have that. And they might not understand it, but they'll feel it and they'll react to it. So maybe they will start worrying about like, I don't even want to come to the table because you're going to, you're going to nag at me. You're going to make me, you're going to yell at me. You're going to put pressure on me. I don't understand this pressure. I don't like it. I want to reject it. 
So for all those reasons, like it'll help you feel better and it will help your child kind of regulate when they're when they're full for themselves, which that's really what helps getting letting them figure that out for themselves is what's going to help them as they get older to not become overweight or obese. I mean, I know it sounds really paradoxical. We kind of leave it we kind of leave it to them to figure out. And, you know, I've watched (laughs) when I think about one of the stories I had noted down that I wanted to share with you under number two was my Jason is 11. And he's always been one of these kids who will go like three days without eating anything. I mean, almost nothing. And then the fourth day, he will eat like a hippopotamus. He will just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat you know, he'll, he'll eat next to nothing. And then um, the, re- the reason I bring it up is because one of our favorite restaurants is a Venezuelan restaurant. And it's awesome. I mean, like we will make special trips. This is like a birthday kind of place for us, even though it's less expensive than, you know, it's kind of on par with like a, I don't know, an Applebee's or something. It's not an expensive place to eat, but the food is amazing. It's like mind-blowingly good. They have some of the best desserts I've ever had. And It's a really, really special place for us. And so they have this special burger there called a Venezuelan burger. Let me try and describe this. So you do have, I believe you only have two halves of one bun. But, you know, between the bottom half and the top half, there are two patties of beef. There's ham, there's bacon, there's eggs, there's cheese, there's sauces, there's some of the sauces are so amazing too. There's like lettuce and tomato. I mean, this thing, this, it's like when Jay, you almost feel like he's going to have to unhinge his jaw to eat this Venezuelan burger. And when he was smaller, when he was, I don't know, well, the first time we went there, I think he was probably nine, eight or nine. So when he was smaller, he would like, we would be sure that he wasn't ever going to be able to finish a Venezuelan burger. So we would, we would, you know, commit the mortal sin in his eyes of, cutting it in half. We'd say, okay, you eat this half first. Then if you still have room, you eat the other half. And he would eat, he would dig into that second half, just glaring at us because we've, you know, we've taken away his, his full size Venezuelan burger. Uh, And I mean, he, he eats that whole thing. It's a, it's incredible how he, I can't even eat a whole Venezuelan burger. I don't know how he does it, but that's, that's just the kind of variability that we see in kids. As they try to figure out, you know, what are they feel? Are they hungry? Who knows? You know, uh, sometimes they'll only eat if the food looks appealing to them, and and it doesn't always look appealing to them, I guess. But this same book that that I described a few minutes ago, which talked about like even if you don't want what's being served, you come to the table. It's kind of a no sugar kind of rule. Like it's not. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm going to tell it to you like it is. That's how I felt like the author was speaking to me. And the other thing that that they said, that the author said was, don't make something special for the kids. Kind of let the kids figure it out. Um, you know, and, and what we try to, what that has translated for us is we try to have if we're having a main dish, we'll also try to have a couple of side dishes. So sometimes they only eat the red peppers that are at the table because couscous doesn't interest them and chickpeas don't interest them or lentil soup doesn't interest them, but the garlic bread does. Or 
And then we have fruit, you know, on the table, we'll have a, a sliced up apple or something like that. So there's always kind of something for them to eat. But but sometimes nothing will look appealing. And that's okay, we have to let them work it out. If we give in and, and make something special, we're, this is, I think, the no sugar aspect of it. We are setting them up for a life of always feeling like I, I don't want to try anything new. I just want to go back to my favorite same kind of food. And and that's a that's a tough thing. Like we we don't want that <laughs> for our kids. I certainly didn't want it for my kids and and they we we did not do that. We would make special things or we'd allow them to have cereal or something like that. And we probably stopped that maybe 8 7 or 8 years ago. And we thought the kids, so this, in other words, we stopped when Max was about eight and Jay was about four, somewhere in that range. And we thought we were going to have just mass anarchy, that they would be like lying under the table sobbing. And it would just be this horrible thing because we were, we we now would sometimes eat meals that they didn't necessarily like. And I think Ben and I were both very surprised at how they were like, oh, well, I don't love this, but okay. I mean, we've definitely had some nights where a child has left the table in tears, but then they come back because you still got to (laughs) eat. And so it's kind of been a, it's, it's been a good thing in the sense of they're, they're trying new things. And I, you know, that's basically all I have to say about that. But this idea of not thinking so much about what they've eaten at this meal or today is absolutely key if we want our kids to approach food in a healthy way as adults. So please don't force your child to become a member of the Clean Plate Club. Do you, I'm sure you know what the Clean Plate Club is, right? It's it's like such a... It's We don't want to waste the food. Yes, absolutely. So maybe starting with smaller portions and taking seconds maybe storing food for later if it can be kept, um, you know, a half-eaten apple, we can rub lemon juice on it and stick it in the fridge or something like that. Uh, those, those are, that's a really important thing to not make them be a member of the Clean Plate Club because that's a, it's them regulating themselves. If we put food on their plate and then we say to them, you have to finish this, even though it was my choice about what you should put in your body, we're teaching them to ignore their like shut off. And that that can be that can be, you know, a bad thing. And and so I guess that really does bring up the uh, the flip side of this. So if you're maybe you're not so much worrying about what your child isn't eating, like maybe you're not worrying. Oh God, they haven't eaten anything in the last day. Like I really hope that they're not starving. Maybe maybe your concern is that they overeat, right? Because sometimes it's really hard to watch your child stuff himself with I don't know that second hot dog or it depends on how how old they are I guess I mean um when a little little kid eats and eats and eats the I think it's this is a this is a really hard thing to kind of uh like from the inside it feels really hard because we have been in the position of letting our our son have a second or a third or whatever hot dog or something like that or a hamburger and and the the people around you when you do that, whether it's family or friends or whatever, can be so judgy, and it, and that that you know it's not like the people that like 
that I can think of it, my family, my friends, whatever, are just like that. But I think everybody's afraid, you know, everybody's on tenterhooks about like, is my child or is your is your kid going to be fat if you let them eat excessively or whatever. And I would ask you to kind of have the courage to let your child figure it out for him or herself. I, I think that it it can be so damaging to kids if we, if we basically judge them before they're ready to be judged. Kids come in all shapes and sizes. My boys both sort of grow off the just before a growth spurt, they they put on weight. And so if, if if it's happened several times over the course of their lives that they're in that growth spurt period or the pre-growth spurt period when we go to the doctor. And so they'll get weighed and, the, you know, it'll go on their chart that now they're 5% heavier than they were relative to their height last time. But then six months later, they've shot up an inch or two inches or whatever. And that's I guess that's what I what I'm trying to say. I feel I realize I'm I'm not really saying this coherently. I think because it's very emotional for me. Um I hated being I was always the chubby kid and I hated being that chubby kid who people would would either look at, you know, like I I needed elastic waistband jeans. God, that was mortifying when I was like 11 or 12 and I never felt comfortable in my clothes. Um you know, I look back now and I I wasn't that I wasn't that chubby, but you just feel, you know, when it's you inside, you do feel that way and and so I would feel the judgments from the people around me even before I understood what what they were judging. And so I have to say it strikes fear into my heart when we we've really worked hard against this in my, in our home like we we emphasize all these factors that go into mindset, I haven't even gotten into the third one yet, but when we get there, like these are this idea of the the meal time is about so much more than the food and trying to let them really come to their own, find their own level of I'm full or I'm hungry. Um, and then what we'll get into in number three, I mean, these things all are really important for l- helping them figure out where their, where their level is and they'll, and they'll get it, they'll make it. But when the people around them are sort of like, oh, you sure you need that second helping or whatever, um, that can be hard to take as a kid, especially if you don't understand, if you're too young to understand it. So, so I guess I'll leave it there. Like, don't worry so much about what your child has eaten at this meal or today, but think about what they've eaten over the course of a week. You know, in a week, you can have a couple of meals that are like all pizza and no, no salad, right? Uh, you just don't want that to be like that every meal, every day. And so so think about that. So that's number two. I'm sorry if it's incoherent. Like I said, this is emotional for me. So if if I was not clear and you need me to clarify something, or if you have a question about any of number two that just didn't work, uh, it sort of didn't sound right to you, I would really appreciate it if you would get in touch with me and, and ask because I'd love to clarify if I if I possibly can. The You can get in touch with me by going to weturnedoutok.com slash contact. And now I'll move on to number three, which is, now we did just talk about this in episode 64, the Your Child Explained episode called Feeding Kids Beyond Nuggets and Fries. But I think it's an important part of the mindset. So I'm bringing it up again as number three here which is this, eat a variety of foods. And I'm talking about parents like us. We need to eat a variety of foods. 
not 14 different kinds of cereal, right? But the full range of foods accepted by the people in your household. So vegetarians obviously are not going to eat meat, but try to make what food you do eat as colorful, as vibrant, as different, and as differently prepared as possible. So that's, that's the thing. Eat a variety of foods and don't force them on the kids. Just make them available and like normal. Let your kids see you eating and enjoying all these different foods. I have to say this has totally worked for us. Like I never would have thought that this could be a thing. But what's happened is it's on the, t- you know, you put these, you put sliced red peppers on the table, you put broccoli on the table, you put, I don't know, hummus and chips on the table. And they see you eating those things and like loving them or whatever. And and suddenly they're like, oh, you know, I'll try it too. And, and sometimes they might not even say it. They might just absentmindedly grab a piece and, and eat it. And that won't happen if we are not eating that stuff. And if we are not kind of modeling for our kids what what it means to eat eat well. So don't force them on the kids, but just make them available. Make it be a part of your every day. Let the kids see you eating and enjoying all these different foods. And someday, if you are lucky, you might have this happen. That just happened to me last night. This was such a pleasure. My 15-year-old Max sat down at the dinner table with a good-sized serving, I can't get over this, of asparagus. And he looked at me and he said, mmm, asparagus. Sincerely, not sarcastically, it was so amazing. Like I wish I'd had it. I wish I'd had this recording because I was like, "That is amazing," and that's really because. Well, I mean, I think it's for a couple of reasons. One is for these three these three aspects of of the mindset of getting kids to eat. But the other thing is, we have been growing asparagus like in our front yard for I don't know six or seven years. So it's like we don't have it yet. We we this is store bought, but. Every probably May for, I don't know, the last three or four years, Max and Jay can come outside and snap off a piece of asparagus and like eat it. (laughs) It's awesome. So it's become very available, very normal. And they've now tried it raw and they've tried it cooked and they've tried it with balsamic vinegar on it and they've tried it with olive oil and and. Um, one of Max's favorite sauces actually is um, hollandaise sauce. And I'm not sure if he's ever, if we've ever combined hollandaise sauce with asparagus, but a lot of people do. And I bet he would love it. That probably has happened like at my parents. My parents are really cool about, they'll just whip up a hollandaise sauce. You know, it's not something that's in my every day, but it is in theirs. And that's how you get eaters who enjoy a variety of foods it's they 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 see you enjoying them and then they try them and here it is you get you get mm, asparagus from your 15 year old son (laughs) it was very cool so to sum up the mindset of getting your kids to eat comes in three parts as i see it number one is make the meal times less about the meal and more about the social community feeling of sitting together Number two, instead of worrying that your child is eating too much or not eating enough at this meal or even today, take the whole week into consideration. And if you look back, think about, you know, maybe they didn't eat a lot today, but yesterday or the day before they did and tomorrow or the next day, they they totally will. They won't starve. And number three is eat and enjoy lots of different foods in front of your kids. 
And that is our show for today. I I wanted to shift gears though, just before we wrap up, to share that the the book I've been writing for you guys, Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics, is coming out really soon. My goal is to have it out on April the 3rd, which if today I believe that the this show airs on Tuesday, the 29th of March, which means that if all goes according to plan, now there, I mean, there could be some variables there, but if all goes according to plan, the book is coming out for you guys on Sunday, which I'm super excited about. And... I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to read today my absolute favorite frequently asked question about this book, which I absolutely love. So it's called Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics. And the subheading is, I don't have it written down in front of me. It's still, it it still could change by a word or two, but it's something like Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics, key tools to handle any temper tantrum, keep your cool and enjoy life with your young child. And when I was first coming up with the idea, I was, you know, talking to friends and parents and stuff. And I, uh, I was talking to my friend Dwight about about this. And I'm going to paraphrase his question, but it was like the best question ever. Dwight said to me, how do I recommend positive discipline ninja tactics to a relative or a friend without saying, in effect, hey, you're a sucky parent, read this book. (laughs) It just made me laugh because it's so true. Like, we don't want to be all preachy. Oh, you know, you're you're doing a really lousy job. Why don't you take this book, Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics, and really learn how to parent your kid? That's not a way, that's a way to alienate people, you know, lose friends and alienate people. And that's the opposite of what we want. So I, I said to him, I really thought about it and I came back and I said, you know what, we all know someone that we wish their parenting was better. Maybe these, this parent brings too much drama in or maybe they're just too worried about everything child related. Maybe they fly off the handle really easily. How do you recommend a book that will really, really help without making them think you disapprove of their parenting style? And the answer that I came up with was, try this, make a general recommendation out to your social media people's, you know, like the channels that you're in in social media. So if you post into Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Pinterest and just say something like, here's a book that I got a lot out of. Everybody should read it. Every parent should read it because you'll love it and you'll be happier when you finish it. So that you're not saying, you're not singling anybody out and saying like, I think you're a lousy parent. Read this book. You're basically saying every parent should read this book. And I think it's true. Uh, a f- you know, recently I, I got a another question, which was, is this book going to be useful for me if my kids are older than, say, five? And I said, absolutely, because like I use these ninja tactics with my teenagers. Sometimes I feel like I need to remember them for myself, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think every if every parent read this book, we would all be a lot happier. And I think that's really what it comes down to. We'd, we'd be enjoying life with our young kids a lot, a lot more. So if you'd like to read about the other frequently asked questions and get notified when the book goes live in Amazon, which is, again, if all goes according to plan, will be this coming Sunday, it'll be free for the first three short days. So if you want to get notified, get the FAQs, as well as get my printable fridge-worthy infographic about how to handle every tantrum, go to PositiveDisciplineNinjaTactics.com and sign up. That's all you have to do to hear more about how to handle every tantrum, by the way. You might want to listen to episode 56. So to do that, it was called How to Handle Every Tantrum. 
you just need to go to weturnedokay.com slash 056. And I'm planning on including these links in the show notes. So if you happen to be, I've noticed this with my, with my iPhone, which is now updated to version like nine point whatever, um, that for a while I didn't know how to get the links to be clickable in in the podcast app. In other words, like you go into the podcast app and it used to be in older versions that if I said click here to go to the website to read the rest of the show notes, you could literally click the word here and it would take you there. But now you have to do something a little bit different. You have to, when you're looking at a show in the podcast app, you'll notice there's the episode number, maybe the date, the name, the title of the episode. And then to the right of the title of the episode, there are three little dots. And if you tap those three little dots, there you've got all kinds of options that you can do with this episode. You can like make it be next in line. You can, you know, to play or whatever. One of them is view full description. And if you tap view full description in iTunes, that is, it'll, it'll open up a full description for you. And that's where the links are clickable. So uh, that was a really roundabout way of explaining how you can get to, because I think it's maybe not intuitive for everybody. It wasn't for me. I was like, I don't know how to do this. Oh my gosh. So that's how you can go to my website to hear the episode about handling every tantrum. Or you can just go to the web and, and go to weturnedokay.com slash 056. And to connect with me, you can go to weturnedokay.com slash contact. I'm on Twitter at Stone Age Techie. I'm on Instagram at weturnedokay. And I would ask one last thing, which is that you please share the show in your favorite social media channels. Social media is word of mouth today. And it's how so many people find out about We Turned Out Okay. And it's because people like you are doing this. I, we've we've had really kind of a uh, a slow, steady growth that's been getting not so much slow as fast <laughs> these last several months. And it's because of you. So thank you so much for connecting, for rating and reviewing the show, either in Stitcher or iTunes, subscribing to the show, and for sharing about it. This show has grown so much because of you, and I appreciate you so, so much. And finally, I want to say a thanks to our producer, the man who definitely has the right mindset about enjoying mealtimes, the 18-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Colt. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want a date to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. Theater, 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 theater,